0: This is a podcast for the awakened woman, for all the femme-identifying folk devoted to their growth, their magic, and their magnificence. I'm your host, Angel, and I am devoted to bringing you the conversations that speak to and awaken the wild, wise, woke one within you, to awaken the fun, free force of nature that you were born to be. Let's go deep. What's up, Awakened Humans? Today for this episode, I'll be speaking to Josefina Bashout, aka The Pussy Priestess. Josephina is a tantric love and sex educator, a feminine empowerment expert, and a certified advanced spiritual psychologist. She is a woman I'm so honored to call a friend and just absolutely delighted to have on the show today. So welcome, goddess. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you so much. So happy to be here, my love.
0: So to kick us off, I would just love to hear a little bit about your journey. You really are this medicine woman. This is how I perceive you, this uh, really wise, grounded, embodied source of wisdom. And I also see you as this self-love activator. I really see a lot of that in you, and I know you've been that for me. In my journey, and there's I've, there's been pivotal moments in my life where you've really showed up and dished that wisdom. So, I would just love our listeners to get to know you a little bit with your story. How did you get to be this wise self love guru? Self love guru?
1: Well, we are all gurus, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I would say, yeah, I've really worked very diligently in the last decade mastering self love, and it's. From not having self-love, from being disconnected from myself, from my my true nature, my true essence, and finding pleasure and love through the pain. Pain was the key for me, and I think pain's a key for a lot of people on the planet that suffering, that pain, the human experience to have that. So for me, it was a traumatic childhood, a rough upbringing, and that upbringing for me created a lot of confusion and separateness from my family. I had also gone through um, a molestation experience when I was 12 years old. And I like to say we're on self-love is I went from riches to rags to rising in self-love because I was born into and I have a very wealthy family. And my story went from living with three maids and two Rolls Royce and Living in Central City in this very luxurious life to falling and living a life below the line of poverty, and for many years I was living in foster care systems, in homeless shelters, living on cots. Really, such contrast to my life experience. And then from that aspect, going through a traumatic experience of uh, sexual abuse, molestation, confusion, armoring up, and therefore disassociating myself. With love, with safety, with my body, with my own sovereignty, but more importantly, my own love, because I felt so broken. I felt like I was broken into a million pieces inside. And my life was just totally not at all what what I had thought, what I had seen, what the life trajectory was. My family hadn't first originated for us. And so for me, it was going through life and getting that great job. And I used to work with Cindy Crawford. So I had a very posh Hollywood lifestyle, like popping bottles, you know, with Paris Hilton and Justin Timberlake and living like the whole Hollywood high life and this great comfy job and corner office and everything. And yet I was so unfulfilled internally. I had all the external factors and the Louis Vuitton bags and everything externally that, especially as a woman, we would think would make us happy, the clothes, the fashion, you know, the sex, the highlight. And yet there was a part of me that was so deeply unfulfilled and empty internally that I was trying to fulfill it with things outside of myself. And it never got to that core root. And it wasn't until almost 11 years ago now, when I was diagnosed with HPV and CIN pre-cervical cancer two and three, that it brought me to my knees and it was a mega wake up call through my genitals, through my feminine essence, through my pussy, through my womb, that really brought me to a moment of realizing how I had so much pain inside of me and so much disconnection and numbness. I couldn't run anymore. I couldn't hide anymore. That journey was a two-year journey where I went in an alternative way, a very radical way against what Western medicine said I should do. And from that place, I found strength, I found confidence, I found courage, I found self-love to cut out all the toxic relationships that I was involved in. I had to change my inner dialogue, my mindset, because I had to believe that no other reality existed except for my healing, my sovereignty, my healing. And that was like the guiding light for me. And that was when I started to really pick up meditation And I started to pick up yoga and I started to dive deeper into sacred sexuality and Tantra and understood a different framework and a different lens around myself as a woman, my body, sexuality, and sexual energy because of the trauma that was stored inside of me somatically. And that was the mega catalyst for me and my journey into self-love empowerment and diving really deep into the realm of of sexuality
0: wow thank you so much for sharing that i knew some of that story but there were pieces there that i that i didn't know what i was hearing you say is which is so powerful this idea of holding the trajectory or holding the only reality that your healing is happening and i know um, in manifestation that's a really important thing right it's believing it's done this is the way this is the trajectory That can be tricky. How was your experience of that? What were the sticking points for you? And how did you overcome those to obviously healing? Mm,
1: Great question. The sticking points for me was this isn't going to work. Like I kept coming up against my limiting beliefs of possibility. This isn't going to work. There's not enough science behind this. Or what if I do all this and I invest and the outcome isn't what it's going to be? And those were the points that I kept having to really reframe and having to have, for me, it was faith. I didn't know much about manifestation, to be honest, at that time. That was very new. I didn't even know really about meditation. And it was, for me, learning about meditation. I had picked up Deepak Chopra's Spontaneous Fulfillment of Desire as one of my first books, and I started to read that. And then I started to understand about the quantum field and reality. So for me, cutting out a toxic relationship, a verbally and abusive relationship had to go to give me the strength, changing my food and my diet and starting to bless it and see food as medicine. So these little things for me, it was a a lot of changes that I had to bring in lovingly and everything that I brought in a new habit I just was associating it with this is going to work.
0: Yeah. So things mm-hmm. that you're cutting out are going to help you. That belief was important.
1: Yeah, that belief was really important. And the, the belief that for me, it was, and this is, I think, what Joe Dispenza and a lot of teachers talk about is collapsing any and all other fields in the quantum field and creating one solid reality. And the reality was I wanted to have my freedom of having children and the latter of potentially having a miscarriage 30% and then 60%. And then the possibility of that added pain was a motivating factor for me to live into the possibility of the healing. And so for me, it was an everyday practice of focusing on this is working, this is working, this is working. I'm going to be healthy. Every time I take these herbal supplements, I'm healing myself. Every time I go to the doctor's office, like this is working, we're getting to the root of the issue.
0: So when those thoughts come up of this is, what if this doesn't work? Or what if I invest all this time? What if there's not enough science? Those limiting beliefs you were, you were discussing, how did you meet and melt those? I met them
1: every day through tears, through crying, through getting on my knees, through praying, through asking Truly, my prayer every day was, God, I'm so weak. Please fill me up with your strength and help me. That was my daily prayer. Because, and I have goosebumps, because I did not have that inner strength. And so for me, before manifestation, prayer has always been a very big, important part of my life as a little girl. And so I came back to that basic fundamental practice of praying every single day for the strength. For this to work for me to have the possibility of having children in the future for my freedom and that prayer gave me the strength that i would need day to day to show up and with your question of melting and merging meditation so meeting myself in the present learning how to attune to the sound of the birds and get out of my head and my fear story learning to attune to the wind and the sensation on my skin of what's happening right now in the present moment. So to get me out of my head as much as possible and get me back into my body was a very key point for my healing. And then when I started to dive deeper into the tantric practice of transfiguration, which is to see God and divine and everything that also was a way of me meeting myself in the mirror and meeting my pain and seeing it as perfect, as divine. All of this is love and God and working for me.
0: Yeah, wow. The threads that I'm feeling and hearing you say is like surrender with the prayer, that willingness to ask for help, so powerful, and then courage the willingness to drop out of the, the, the head and into the body and to be consistent and to courageously meet yourself, uh, it's just so, so powerful. And then with the tantric, that radical acceptance, it's like that sounds like a recipe for healing and transformation to me. <laughs> um, wow. Why do you think prayer is so powerful? Why is it powerful to you? when i really feel into that question it's like it's a knowing for me
1: it's 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 such a natural organic thing for me to pray no one had to really teach me i don't associate it with religion i've i've prayed in my most difficult times it was like the most natural organic like go to thing that i've always done and then when i started to do my work in shamanism my master shaman teacher started to share with us the science, how they've been proven that prayer actually works. Sending love and light to someone actually creates a shift and a change in that other person because we are all deeply connected and interconnected. And then in my spiritual psychology program, we would send love and light to people who weren't well or who were missing class. And then they would come back a month later and report, when we would take notes at this time, at this day, we as a group sent you a prayer. They would report back without knowing this day I felt prayer from the whole group. I felt love and light when I was in the hospital. And it was exactly when we had sent it and such deep confirmation. So for me, I truly believe it works because we're all interconnected. We are connected. My belief is that we are connected to God, to source, to consciousness. We are all just a slice and a piece of that pie. And when we pray, when I pray, I get out of any egoic ways and it's not about my subconscious or conscious mind creating a reality. It's actually a deep level of surrender, of asking and then allowing myself to step back in the receiving so it can be given without me trying to make it
0: happen. So powerful, my love. I think that's such a beautiful uh, reminder because a lot of the messaging or information out there around manifestation, although the essence of it is beautiful, like most spiritual teachings, right? The essence is there. It's gorgeous. It's wonderful. But then once it gets kind of filtered through the human perceptions and the egoic mind, it can shift and change. And a lot of it Feels at least to me um, that there's this kind of construction, controlling, forcing, like how do I get what I want through spirituality? And just such a beautiful reminder to hear you say that in that way about surrender and receiving. So asking, it can be just given like, whoa, what a reality that could be. I want to get into the juicy, the topic of Tundra and sexuality. We're going to go there. Uh, But first, a little more on the self-love because you're also so embodied in this as well. It can seem like a bit of an abstract concept for people who, let's say, if they weren't modeled it growing up or maybe they feel like they've never experienced it. So from your perspective, like how would you define self-love or how could someone know when they're really loving themselves? If they're not sure? It's
1: a great question. I actually was speaking about this um, yesterday to a woman. So very timely. My definition of self-love has actually changed over time because it was more of an elusive concept to me. of Bubble baths and, you know, things that we can be programmed with of, you know, just say I love you and take care of yourself. And, you know, all these self-care kind of things, which there's self-care and that's important for self-love. However, self-love for me And what I've come to find to know to be true in the way that I embody it is actually allowing love itself, capital S self, higher self, divine spiritual self, to come in, to take over, to embody, to connect to those divine qualities. So for me, self-love is choosing love and allowing that higher version of myself to take over, to live, to breathe, to guide me and Self-love comes in many different shapes and form. I believe that we all get to practice self-love. And when we have self-love, beyond an elusive concept, it's loving thoughts that we think to ourselves when no one is listening or no one is watching. The projections or the things that we see in ourselves or about ourselves, again, when we're alone in the mirror or when we're with ourselves in our most vulnerable, falling apart, messy states, like can we hold that love and space for ourselves can we remember that we are good intrinsically that we are whole intrinsically that we are not broken and reaffirm those things can we be our own hype woman or cheerleader or man can we support ourselves emotionally like that to me is self self love yes treating ourselves to luxurious and lavish things because we know we deserve it and we're worth it and not holding back or skimping on ourselves. You know, self love is also through action and behavior, not self abandoning for the sake of people pleasing or that 1% that you get out of alignment because you want that love or you want to receive something. So, self love is truly allowing that love you have for your higher self, your divine self, that deep light soul spirit within you, whatever you relate to, having that be one of the most, if not the most important relationship and focal point and nurturing that through thoughts and behaviors and actions and celebration. So for me, that is what self-love is beyond the bubble baths. Those are like fun things to have in and self-care pieces. Absolutely. But loving all parts of ourselves the dark side, the shadow side, the kinky side, the erotic side, the like falling apart side like loving every single aspect and not shaming ourselves or judging ourselves, the human self, the smaller S self. So for me, it's really evolved into seeing my humanness and allowing the higher self aspect to always bring love in and the healing balm in into every situation.
0: Yes, it's just so powerful. And I think what I often say as well is this idea of like, you know, it can be hard to quantify, can't it? It's like, well, how, yeah, how do I know if I am being self-loving or, or if I am being loved? And I kind of pondered this question a few months ago, and what I got to, and I'd be interested in your perspective, is that when someone else is loving me I usually know that by their consistent efforts to see me and to understand me they don't have to get it perfect all the time but they're being pretty consistent in I can feel their intention is to see me and to understand me and then I feel loved right there's obviously a lot more to it but I was thinking okay Therefore, am I consistently seeking to see and understand myself? And like you said, even the shadow parts, even the parts that I've been taught to deny or reject, am I consistently attempting to see and to understand those parts? And so I'm so glad you brought that that into it. And yeah, I know, as you were saying earlier, it's that tantric perspective of can I see God in all of it? It's a radical idea. It's a simple idea, not necessarily easy to apply, (laughs) but- it's there for us, right? Not easy. <laughs> no. Speaking of Tantra, how would you define a pleasure practice? What are the components to you that make something a pleasure practice? And what are some of your personal favorite pleasure practices?
1: I was talking to a client of mine about this yesterday because she's actually having a challenge with creating the pleasure practice and showing up as like a goal. So perfect way to answer this question. So the word practice is in there, right? So when we show up to a yoga practice, we have a certain amount of time that we know we get to practice. Same thing with meditation. It's a practice or a certain amount of time. We put a timer in, we get to do that, whether it's 15 minutes, whether it's an hour, whether it's five hours, there's a container. There's a, a certain set container for the practice. When we show up, there's also curiosity, there's exploration and discovery. So when I talk about pleasure practice, it's showing up the same way you would to a yogic practice, a meditation practice with not having a goal, especially when it comes to pleasure, not having orgasm in mind and making it the end goal, not getting somewhere, right? In tantra, it's there's no end. There is absolutely no end. This never ends. We are just in one consistent exploratory unfolding upon itself until infinity. So showing up without the goal, letting that goal go aside. And if the the part of our brain has a hard time not associating or showing up because we need a goal, then I say, make the goal curiosity and exploring. If you need a goal, make your goal, goal exploring. Explore. And then in that practice, it's, okay, how can I be curious on what feels, what feels brings, cultivates, awakens pleasure inside of me? And that could be sexual pleasure, but it can be tactile, sensational pleasure. It does not have to always be specifically around your genitals and sex. It can be around just experiencing pleasure purely for the sake of pleasure, because I believe. That pleasure is health, health, honey. So when you show up to this practice, you are practicing getting healthy, staying healthy, nurturing that. So for me, what I love in my pleasure practices, and it's a variety, depends on the time of the day. If I have one in the morning, that incorporates feeling and touch of of my skin and different pressures using my nails or not bringing my awareness and bringing the meditative state of that presence to the touch, feeling every little ounce of myself, of my energy, of my breath, what feels more alive, what feels more numb. And if there are places in me that feel numb that morning, can I find the pleasure in loving that part of myself and allow that to feel good? Just- there's that acceptance. if There's that acceptance. And acceptance feels good right? It it feels better to accept than to reject.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you've busted two really prominent myths and I want to get into this and you kind of just busted them there, which is so beautiful. One, I'm hearing you say that taking away the goal. And I think a big uh, lie that we're taught is that the anatomy of someone in a female body or a body with a pussy that our pleasure works in the same way as someone with a penis. And so what I'm hearing you say is like taking out that goal of maybe orgasm or whatever it is and just enjoying the pleasure energy itself. And I'm doing a 12-month tantric training at the moment and just yesterday, so it was so cool to hear you talk about this, It was experiencing exactly what you were saying in my body, we were similarly being instructed, let go of the idea of orgasm, enjoy the pleasure. And learning about how, okay, the peak pleasure or the climax usually comes when the pelvic floor muscles are tensing. And learning about sublimation, which you were also talking about, like, how can I spread that pleasure up and through my whole body? And so what I was experimenting with that just blew my mind, I wish I had learned this earlier, was as I would feel my pelvic muscles start to contract and draw towards orgasm, I would consciously relax and imagine or intend that the energy, instead of being concentrated and, like, moving towards climax – would spread. So the pleasure would spread through my whole body. Relax, don't climax. And then allow to build the energy again. Relax, pull it up the body. And I was just realizing exactly what you're saying, which is like pleasure can be the goal in of itself. And in many ways, Not to say orgasms aren't amazing, they're wonderful, but it was a different, almost kind of orgasm. It's like now it's valleys and peaks instead of dipping the energy over the mountain and maybe feeling depleted or finished. Again, that could be fun, but I didn't know this was an option on the menu. So just like, whoa, any of you listening, I'm like, can confirm this is amazing. There was another myth that you mentioned that I wanted to touch on.
1: That one, I want to say one piece on what you said. It's living tantrically in what you're experiencing. It's what's beautiful is you go from orgasm being the goal and you, you transform or you evolve into becoming orgasmic as a state. So it's no longer about orgasms and showing up to have orgasms. You actually expand your pleasure capacity. So you just become orgasmic in your living, breathing state.
0: Yes, it's like the energy of pleasure itself gets to live in you. So let's say for those who might feel like that's a little abstract, um, something that helped me understand it before I felt it in my body was what if you could bring yourself up to a seven, eight or nine, let's say a 10 was an orgasm and make the goal staying there for as long as possible. Which is, can I just make that, and and what I'm hearing you say is bringing just that energy of pleasure, orgasmic energy rather than orgasm being, which is what I'm learning, tipping over the edge. What if it was orgasmic pleasure energy just being in that? So I'm like, ah, oh, so juicy, this is the sex ed we need in high school, honey. I'm like, where was where was Miss Josephina Bash out, right, <laughs> in my high school days? I'm glad I got you now.
1: Great, you're experiencing that too.
0: What do you think, like speaking of myths and things that, you know, lies were told, I think like that's kind of an intense way to say it, but myths, what do you think are some of the biggest lies we've been told about women's sexuality or the biggest myths?
1: That's a good question. Some of the biggest lies. I mean, I think especially I've heard so many women, it's like our, our pleasures for men. <laughs> we're, we're here to pleasure men. That's that's a big BS bullshit. It's like our sexuality is for men. Our body is for pleasure built for men. Like our everything is to please the masculine or our partner. And that's a total bunch of bullshit. That is a total myth. Our sexuality is ours and ours alone for our own pleasure. (laughs) That is bullshit. That is
0: bullshit. Hallelujah. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Oh, well, I'm like, that's a huge one. I mean, that's a really, really big one that, that women face continuously all, you know, all the time. So I see that as, as a big myth. I also see, you know, women, the myth of like, you have to have your orgasms, you know, you have to have genital orgasms. And that's the thing is a lot of women are working with genital orgasms. It's like, there's so many other ways of having orgasms beyond just the focus of your genital. You can have eargasms, you can have mouthgasms right? You can have full body orgasms, you can have rolling orgasms. So I think that's also one of the, the myths. I would also say a big myth is that women are told with female sexuality that it's wrong or dirty, or we have to hide it, or that we're too intimidating if we own our sexual energy. So I think that that's also a big myth as well. Is that we have to hide it or play the good girl and act like we're not these sexual beings in order to get the man or the husband or to have girlfriends because then we're seen as a threat or intimidating. I think that's also a big bullshit myth.
0: Yeah. And something else that I experienced on that is, or I won't be taken seriously in my career. It's like this either or mind, egoic mind thing that I'm still integrating Where I, previous to being a spiritual teacher, I was a devotee my entire life, but I was a model and and an artist. So I would have pretty sensual photographs, like tastefully done nude yoga, and I'd be writing erotic poetry, really kind of exploring the idea of God in sex and my body and very free because I was, just didn't occur to me that it could be threatening to my career because I didn't necessarily see myself in that kind of more corporate role, which I still don't. But when I started to do like lean into my teacher and be teaching and having partnerships with corporations, it wasn't a conscious thing. But subconsciously, that part of me went away and got put on a shelf. And it wasn't until a couple of years ago, I started to realize, hang on a minute, there's a part of me here, my artist, my sexually liberated self is feeling starved or like she doesn't fit in. And so I wonder, have you ever experienced places where you felt your sexual self, your sexually liberated self, your sensual self wasn't safe, wasn't welcome? And if so, how did you move through that? I think a lot of women and gender nonconforming people might resonate who are listening.
1: I have felt that. I don't know any maybe woman or person, woman, we're speaking of that for, for the moment, who hasn't felt that at some degree, who's wanting to be in business at some point or have collaborations or cooperation. So that actually is something that I would love to see change where there isn't that division and separateness of you have to be a boss and a leader and negate your sexual essence and your erotic energy and your creative life form. It has to be this division and it's been that way. From if you look at even religion, and I'll break it down just real quick because it's coming in. It's like look at you know the the Madonna whore complex in that men have when it comes to relationship. They can see you as the you know the Madonna whore, but they can't see you as like the mother of their children, or you've got to be the slut, or you're the saint. There has been the separation between women's essence of their divinity or their power to then their sexuality, and so I think something that we collectively as the feminine or feminine identified have been healing this separation and coming back into truly the wholeness and the totality that we are all of those things simultaneously at the same time fluidly capable of navigating whatever state we desire to be in which actually from my perspective makes us even more powerful when we show up in our energized erotic energy, not for the sake of seduction or manipulation, but truly embody standing, holding confidence open as an energetic invitation. And so, yes, I've experienced when I've shown up in that arena, both women and men, non-conforming genders excited, feeling it as an invitation and activation of like, Oh my God, what is this? Yes. You have, I have that permission. Yes. I can go in. Yes. Thank you. And I've had the opposite of women introducing me to other women and women in corporate America saying, you know, how dare you, who are, who are you to show up in that or call yourself that? And like, you should be ashamed and I can't take you seriously. And I've had those experiences and In the very beginning of my career, I would take that and I would feel that and there'd be a little bit of a, like a contraction because the part of me didn't want to be a trigger. A part of me wanted to be an invitation and to be a trigger, knowing that I would be a walking, breathing potential trigger or threat to someone else was really hard for me to to process and to digest because I've never seen myself that way. I never felt that way, nor have I ever given off that intention. So to receive that type of feedback, the more that I started to own my sexuality, my power, my voice, my gifts, that became a very deep practice for me as a spiritual teacher to embody what I believe and to heal my own wounding around that. And suddenly when I started to meet that contraction I just had to start to breathe and open in those moments. When I want to close and hold, it's like, can I open my legs a little bit more? Can I breathe into my womb a little bit more? Can I love myself more? Can I open more and just dissolve that barrier and recognize, okay, great. I'm standing right here in that collective wound. Can I bring light into that space? Can I reframe in my own energy field that that's not valid in my life experience? and give them whatever medicine it is that they need for them. And then embracing and accepting, okay, you know what? This is a part of my work to be an activator, to be a trigger, to be a threat if that's how people see me. But that is not my intention. That has never been my intention, nor will it be it.
0: Oh my God, babe. I'm resonating. I'm sweating. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm, I'm like... Wow, I feel so activated. Speaking of you being an activator, I'm just resonating so deeply. I had a conversation with Moon a few nights ago, who you guys have heard on the podcast. I think she was one of the first episodes, and we were talking about this and and this reclamation of all parts, letting go of the either or. I'm either a spiritual teacher or a sacred slut or, uh, you know, sexy minx. I'm either this or that. And just kind of looking at this complex and what I'm hearing you say, it's such a nuanced refinement, which is why it can be really tricky for people, Um, myself included, is like, We've been modeled and sold this kind of cheap, disconnected version of sexuality. So, our only reference point, and you used the word that I thought was so apt, is seduction, which can be beautiful, but with manipulation right and when you deny women and gender non-conforming people access to resources access to influence education and power and the and then you kind of glorify in this weird way their sexuality of course there can be a wound or an aspect of the unconscious that then utilizes that only thing apparently you know if you tell someone you're only good for this you're a sexual object like you were saying earlier your pleasure is only you are only for the pleasure of others then of course there's going to be this distortion around using sexuality to gain safety if you don't feel like you have it whereas the new paradigm that we're embodying and working with and that you are sharing with the world and that i'm doing my best to also activate within myself and and women is like what if yes that can exist and that's a wound and a collective uh wound to be digested whatever's within us our own part of that and what if our sexuality could be our own power like you were saying what if i can stand in this And hold, which is the really like, oh, part that I notice in myself and hearing you name it, I've never heard anyone name it, but I'm like, yeah, I don't desire to be a trigger right? I don't want to trigger women. As you said, I want to be an invitation. This is the work we do. We love support, uplift women. We like That's the work we're in. So feeling like, oh, wow, if a part of my own liberation is going to trigger a woman, like, oh, the contraction there. But then hearing you so bravely in your courage saying, that's not my intention, but I'm willing for it to happen in order for my liberation and trusting that therefore it will liberate others. I'm like, oh wow 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 yes 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 receive 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 you know and I hope that's sinking in for everyone listening It, it might look different for everyone but like feeling into that where in your life whether it's your sexuality whatever it is that you're liberating that you know is truly within you that desires to be expressed where do we hold back in fear that we will threaten others and that kind of leads into my next question like why do you think the world is so afraid of women and gender non-conforming people being sexually empowered? Why is it such a threat?
1: Let me just acknowledge you, first of all, for that channel that just opened up, honey. <laughs> wow, I'm sweating and <laughs> everywhere. Whew, thank you for that magic.
0: Oh. We're, we're marinating in it together. I'm like, yeah, I knew it was going to be potent. I was excited all morning.
1: <laughs> so yeah, acknowledging that juiciness as well. Thank you for your wisdom and in- Channel and your activation point, too, sister like ah, oh, so juicy. you know what i what I see is is the col- the collective aspect of, of women being a threat because women are so fucking powerful like we are so powerful. we create life. every single human life on the planet comes from a woman identified a feminine body, a pussy, like every single life and when we look at the patriarchal society or the structures that are geared towards celebrating masculine traits of goal and accomplishing and power, then there's a, there's a disconnect because no matter how much money, how much power you have, how much control, you still will never be able to, the masculine or the, that, that energy, the, the, non, the non-woman energy, feminine energy, you will not be able to actually birth a life into fruition. There's the seed. But the actual full system, the full universe of creation that goes into creating a life, the body, the changing, the power, the magnitude, the strength, of even birthing a life is something that a male identified or a masculine body would never be able to experience. It's an untapped resource and power that they don't have access to. And so we have that direct access to that type of power. and. Something came to me when I was in my, sh- my shamanic training was I kept asking the question around why women were not allowed to enter into ayahuasca ceremonies when we were on our moon cycle. Why was it taboo? Why did we have to go to a moon lodge? Why were we not allowed to? And mixed reasons. One, you know, women together were bleeding the power, the energy, having it be sacred. Another one said it's because we're tainting we're dirtying, we're polluting the energy by shedding death that would have happened an old life, and they don't want us to pollute the energy. And finally, what I got from my master shaman—I know it's ridiculous—the fact that really we're polluting, we're we're creating toxics, we're we're creating negativity. So the actual thing that I believe is true, and what I got after years of asking finally resonated with with me when i asked this uh, Juan Tatita the shaman in costa rica and i asked him very clearly i said what is the reason why truly from the shipibo why are we not allowed in and it's because women are so damn powerful the amount of life force energy that we generate as life itself becomes so amplified so magnified, so potent, I have massive goosebumps, that it becomes so distracting for the shaman to be able to hold space for the collective group, that the feminine becomes so strong and fills a space so much that the masculine shaman becomes so distracted by the feminine and the energy takes over. And not a lot of shamans are trained in how to expand to meet that massive life force feminine power. So that is why I feel that there is a lack of understanding of the true magnetism and the, magnifi- the, the, the magnetism and the magnitude of the feminine as pure, raw, life force energy that is so unbridled and uncontrollable and unstoppable and cannot be contained that therefore it can be scary because they're not trained or educated on how to experience that through their nervous system. And so because we're such a strong activating force into the nervous system, the go-to response when you don't know what to do is to try to control and we fear what we don't know. That is why there is so much fear because there hasn't been the education, there hasn't been the integration through the body, through the nervous system of the masculine feminine energy play and how to actually be supportive of that and not see it as a threat, but as home and as counterparts and as complementary
0: parts. That was amazing. I'm strapped in for the ride. Hands up. (laughs) I'm like, yes. And it's like, yeah, it's a metaphor that exactly what you're talking about going into medicine space. It's my belief that our souls signed up for this journey as an evolutionary container. So it's one big ceremony. This is one big. (laughs) So that that translates. It's like, yeah, that makes total sense. As you're saying, if nervous systems haven't been programmed to witness that power, that one side of of the polarity in its fullest expression. And instead, the other side of the polarity is so dominant and so revered. And it's like, it's not that that's wrong. It's just like what I'm hearing you say, it's just the balance of can we also experience this energy in its fullness and its power. So (laughs) I kind of want to touch on this. And I think you're the right person to have this conversation with. I've been playing with this idea of, and I, something in my system actually during this conversation has opened up, you've activated around this as a refinement that's come through, because I've been looking at the masculine feminine. And, and when that, those teachings first kind of came through for me, I was, I was like, yeah, this is beautiful. I, I enjoy this. We do need to restore balance to the feminine. But what I've noticed uh, more recently is that certain teachings- seem to me like there's patriarchal programming that's kind of leaking into these teachings like oh, the feminine should just always be open and soft and loving and the man should or the person with a penis should always lead. um that doesn't feel true to me. and so there was this part of me that wanted to like rebel against that and be like no um I, I, I you know it's it's energies. I want us all to have access to these energies. but I, I feel there is this refinement that's come through after hearing you speak that, Yes, if you're in a female gendered body, your physiology may lend itself to activating a certain aspect of polarity more in the same way that like what I'm learning in Tantra that you can have orgasms from any part in your body. There are certain parts of of our body because of the nerves that are there, whether it's the genitals or the breasts or the lips that are designed more specifically to channel that energy through. So it's like a little easier. Or if you're a gender non-conforming person, then you're perhaps, I mean, like in ancient traditions, you're a gifted person. You're very spiritually gifted in the fact that you can access both energies or another energy more easily. It's kind of like the veil is thinner. So there's, that's my perspective. It's like, oh, wow, you're not tied to the body. You're actually tied to your choice and, and your, your ability to feel that. I think we all have that possibility to experience both masculine and feminine energy within us my issue with it is that people have been kind of overly genderfying spirituality. What I what I perceive as this over-identification with woman as feminine energy, as, as we know, that's not the case. It's an energy that can be expressed through gender but goes beyond gender. So I just kind of want to hear, what's your take on this? That's a fucking long-winded way to say it. It's a kind of complex, nuanced thing. So what's your perspective on patriarchal programming leaking into the masculine-feminine? Teachings and and what's your perspective on this? How can we ground into these teachings in a way that's healthy without getting kind of pulled off by the egoic attachment stuff? Does that make any sense?
1: <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. It does make sense. There's a couple of pieces here. And and I you probably have talked on it before and you've mentioned it now. And it's it, it is around like we all have masculine and feminine within us. I believe that we're we are here to actually find that inner masculine feminine balance, the yin and yang balance within our own selves to be 100% balanced in our masculine and 100% balanced in our feminine so we can be whole sovereign individuals and experience that. And masculine feminine is actually a spectrum, right? It's not just this one thing and I'm, I'm feminine identified and I'm in a women's body and now I'm just meant to be like soft and I show skin and I'm flowy and I'm like a bird or a butterfly and I'm in movement and I I need a man to like lead me, right? Which is where we go into like the patriarchal aspect, the man to lead me. And I think there is that bit of misogyny and patriotism, uh, patriarchal programming that has come in of old gender roles, of seeing the masculine as that one polar and the feminine as the one opposite polar. And that's like a stagnant place where the feminine is all over and she needs a container and she's a puddle. So she needs you to come and hold and guide and channel her water and channel her energy. And that may be true if you are truly on the very edge of those complete polar opposites. But the reality is that we are all on spectrums for the majority. Majority of us are more fluid in our masculine feminine energy. So to think or take the teachings as truth, as wisdom, as this is exactly as it is at these extremities is actually dangerous because we could fall back into old societal gender roles and thinking. And we all have masculine and feminine. It's just the spectrum of where we're navigating In our masculine feminine, if I was not embodying percentages of my masculine, let's say 40% of my masculine, 50%, no way could I run a successful coaching business, schedule myself, run retreats, organize myself. I would be sitting here waiting for somebody to do it and have a man help me and do things or someone who's more masculine identified to do it versus what I believe we're here to do is to cultivate a healthy relationship with the possibility of that energy and that aspect that lives within us. And then we can decide what's more true to our core essence when it comes to who we want to be in our living, breathing states. And the power of being fluid, I love to think of it as a dance between the masculine and feminine inside of ourselves and outside of ourselves, right? Because everyone is a reflection. So what I would say is, with the with what i focus on is more of the divine feminine because i look at the qualities it's it transcends whether you have a pussy or not it's divine feminine because i use divine aspects so qualities to embody there's an energetic signature to these qualities that i relate to same thing with the divine masculine energetic signatures that i would then relate to in myself or what with desire within a partner and so In this dance of masculine feminine i'm dancing within it within myself and i have a primarily feminine sexual essence i love to be in the receptivity i love to dance and be in flow and in creativity and move and laugh and be in bliss and be in pleasure and there is a masculine aspect to me as well where sometimes whether it's in the bedroom or not I like to switch roles and be more in the leadership role and the controlling role and the guiding role and the directive role and like direct things. It feels really good and pleasurable to me. But I'm not identifying myself as oh, I'm I'm being the man or I'm being the masculine in this role. No, I'm just experiencing a different swing of the polarity of the quality that exists inside of me and now I get to decide when I bring those parts or aspects out because none is better or worse. It's just truly what feels the most true to me in the moment of embodying and understanding and educating ourselves on the spectrum is very beneficial because then we can really know what's true for us versus the societal conditioning. And on one note, I will say that I do desire a man who is more masculine sexually in his essence, because it polarizes me being in a feminine body. And when we look at the physiology and the body component with our sexual organs, there is the opposite flip of positive negative and the negative positive. So when you do come together, it does spark that polarity. If you're resonating and you're, you're, you're embodying more of that essence. And that's why polarity can shift and change with partners or why you have different types of energy exchanges with partners, whether they're the same sex or whether they're opposite sex, because it's really in that moment, which polarity or which you know, battery line are you plugged into in that moment?
0: Yes. I love the flexibility, the freedom um, in what you're saying. And I think this is a really important nuance for people my worry and concern is, is that people who hear the word masculine and feminine and aren't quite as deep in the teachings on divinity and understanding divinity as, you know, qualities that go beyond gender and kind of feeling into that, that when they hear the word masculine, they think men. And so they think man, leader, feminine, open, receptivity, woman, be soft, open, kind, pretty, nice, which is programming it's just these teachings are so beautiful and what i'm really hearing you bring through is right tool right moment we all have the capacity to utilize these energies and seeing these energies as divine qualities that go beyond uh not just it's not even like they go beyond the physical gender they can but more than that it's like they go beyond our egoic mind our over-identification our gender bias that kind of we have for living in a world that is filled with gender bias, we all have therefore our own implicit gender bias that that bumps up against. And I think I see that people get stuck there, but I love what you're saying. It's what I've been really feeling into as well Is this refinement around feeling it as these divine energies, realizing it's innate within each of us and getting away from this idea that a truly good woman who is fully feminine is fully feminine. And if you if you're doing it right, then you have all these qualities and none of these. And maybe that's just the way that I perceived it, but some of it got so simplified and it's really a nuanced topic that I was like, um, I don't know about that. So I'm really glad we could chat about it.
1: No, I'm really happy you, you asked about it. And I know we, you know, a lot of people around us have been doing a lot of masculine and feminine work and, and embodiment work. And I do a lot of feminine embodiment work and feminine spiritual practice work, which for me resonates the most. It's the movement. It's not just the stillness. So it's understanding what, you know, what we need and also educating ourselves to see, you know, and playing on both sides, what feels most organic, intrinsic and true inside of you. And there are many women that I work with who not are 50, 50, but you know, 40, 60, 70, 30 in their masculine, feminine. And it feels really good because These are the women who are entrepreneurs and executives and doing things and making changes in the world. However, they're bringing more feminine energy to the conversation or to the table, which I think is an important thing that I will mention is, you know, you can be a feminine leader and also think you need to lead with your masculine, which is one, one singular focus, directive, super penetrative You know, very more aggressive in in energy or protective in energy, which are more intrinsically masculine qualities. However, if you are bringing in more of your feminine to that, that masculine aspect of leadership, you can lead with intuition. You can lead with empathy and compassion and vulnerability, right? Bringing in more of those qualities. You can also lead not through just singularly focus and direction, but actually through collaboration. And cooperation is more of the feminine aspect of leadership. So that's something that I think is also relative and important to bring in with, I find the world shifting into more feminine guidance and more feminine leadership is, it's not because feminine is, is better. It's again, there's just different qualities that if we're in a world that's been off balance celebrating more of the masculine qualities, that is why there's a deep desire, call, cry, craving for the feminine energy and the feminine essence and leadership.
0: Within all beings, right? Within all beings,
1: the connection to the feminine.
0: Yeah, we need everyone to wake up to that.
1: Yes, the embracing of the feminine Within all beings, men, the masculine embracing their feminine side, doing that in men's work or in sacred men's circles where they can be free and not have to be a man and hold it all together where they're not allowed to cry or express or even dance weirdly in their body. You know, so giving, giving men or the masculine that opportunity to not be just living so far in their spectrum of polarity so they can start to slide a little bit more down. And I think to your question, to come full circle of like the patriarchal in some of these teachings, not gonna say any names, but in some of these famous teachers, it's like really celebrating. (laughs) I'm like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Celebrating the masculine being more static, right? Static in that more extreme polarity and not actually giving the invitation to slide down into more of their feminine aspect.
0: Yeah, it's like we're just kind of perpetuating gender bias and as you said, toxic gender roles, rather than seeing that there is this inherent yin and yang quality. There are these seemingly opposing forces, but like the yin and yang that actually work together, create the whole that exists within all of us. And as you're saying, there is one side of polarity that has not been worshiped, that has not been revered, that has been suppressed, denied, and associated with the female body and although that can sometimes be true it isn't always true it's like this very nuanced teaching and and the nuance has kind of been sucked out of it so I love that we've jammed on this and I hope everyone listening is like just bringing the light of each individual's awareness that's my real intention with us having this conversation and And for anyone listening is like, I just want to invite everyone to be really conscious and really aware and awake when they listen to these teachings, as you were saying, feeling what resonates as truth in your body. And if something makes you contract or feel uh, wrong or like um, you're doing it wrong or just controlled, then that may not be the the truth for you and and knowing that, yeah, it's a bit more nuanced that these energies can be expressed through gender, but they go so far beyond it. These are just innate qualities that live in a polarity and that aren't actually attached to the physical gendered body. And that I think we've gotten, we're so, the gender bias is so deeply, it's like infected the human psyche so deeply that I'm like, let's not let it infect spirituality. (laughs) So thank you for bringing the light of your beautiful wisdom and awareness to that topic and and going with me on that journey i feel like i'm gonna move into rapid fire questions and just so grateful for you my love like thank you thank you thank you for showing up and dishing the wisdom
1: thank you beauty thank you for creating the space thank you for having me on thank you for asking the questions and your channel
0: such literally my life's greatest pleasure. (laughs) Okay. So there's just a couple of rapid fire questions and I'm going to read them to you and you just share what comes through. So someone comes to you and they're feeling really down, but you can only give them one piece of advice. What do you say?
1: I mean, the first thing that came to me was like giving them a hug. It's not even a piece of advice. It's just like love. Like they're feeling down. I just would shower them with love in that moment and allow them to feel connection.
0: Boom, no one has ever answered that, and and that's really potent and powerful. Yes, 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 yes. What's the most important thing, in your opinion, for successful relationships? Mm, Communication. I feel that to be true, honey. Mm -hmm. If you could be any animal, which animal would you be? Ooh, a black jaguar. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? To change the way people feel inside. Ooh, that's powerful. What's your favorite thing that you own?
1: Wow. That's a really good question. Um, one of the favorite things that I own is my dog Winnie.
0: Oh, Winnie, Hello, I love Winnie. <laughs> bless that queen. Something that you believe is true that other people might think is crazy. That sex takes you to God. If you could eat one meal before you die, what would it be?
1: I would eat the most decadent Italian food with black truffle, risotto, and wine, and have sorbet, and like the most decadent, luscious, fatty, orgasmic meal as I am laughing with bottles of wine and champagne, and like just have all of my senses lit up through that delicious
0: Italian food. That would be my Yes. What's your favorite flavor of sorbet? Just like side question. Ooh, <laughs> you know I love food. Mm-hmm. It's a toss up between um, mango and coconut. Oh, I love mango Oof. and coconut and raspberry. and raspberry. So last one. If there was a universal answering machine, you could leave a 15 second note on it that everyone in the world was going to hear today. A few words or sentences. What would you say?
1: Are they calling to hear my message or am I leaving it on the machine?
0: It's like the machine that plays for the world. It's like Mm -hmm. everyone's like going to have a little announcement that Josephina Bashout has left for them.
1: Mm, Okay. Thank you for calling. I want to let you know that you are so magnificently connected and I am sending you so much love, light, blessings, the most delicious orgasmic love of your entire life. And I want you to remember that in the moments where there is pain, that that is always a key to bring you back to pleasure, to love and to light. Remember that you are inherently worthy, that you are inherently good. Remember that life loves you and that everything is always working out for you in every single moment in unexpected ways in unexpected miracles, that all you have to do is ask and be open to being received in magical and surprising ways, and that everyone and everything around you loves you and is always working for you. Blessed be, I love you. Thank you for being alive.
0: (laughs) Boom. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, beautiful goddess, and just showering us with your wisdom and pleasure-filled love. Where can our listeners find you? Thank you for having
1: me. You can find me on social media. So you can find me at Josephina Bashout, which is my name on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on my website as well, which is JosephinaBashout.com. It's Josephina with an F, honey. Well, fancy, not a PH. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And stay connected with me. I would love, 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 love to hear from everyone
0: that's it for today beautiful beings if you've listened this far and gifted us with the precious resource of your energy and your time thank you so much my heart bursts with gratitude that you would choose to share your energy and your precious attention here with us and i cannot wait to connect with you next week with our brand new episode it's a really juicy one so stay tuned and don't forget if you enjoyed this please pass it on If you really loved it, like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. It's how we continue our mission of getting this podcast to as many ears as possible so that we can elevate the consciousness on this planet. So if you loved it, forward it, like it, rate it, subscribe it, flip it, and reverse it, and I will see you next week. Well, I won't see you, but you'll hear me next week for our brand new podcast episode. Stay well.